AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. What the grain markets lost yesterday, they basically gained back today. Seems like that might be standard operating procedure during the holidays. Most markets have settled into a comfort zone while keeping a close eye on the factors that could ultimately start new trends at the start of the new year. Live from the chill before the storm via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk this afternoon. It's a conversation with the Brian Stein, pro-farmer editor Brian Grady. And right after the news, Joe Vaklovic from Standard Grain. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. <laughs> All right. Thank Dramatic you, Dramatic pause. Yeah, I heard that. I you heard that. I was, starting to, I was starting to wonder if I was invited or not. Uh-huh. That's good. You leaned <laughs> in a little bit, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Welcome to AgriTalk. <laughs> I'm Chip. That is Davis. And Hello, everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, normally we like to have Brian Grady on the show on Tuesday afternoons because it fits really well with his publishing schedule. This week, (laughs) not so much. Yeah. Um, Brian's under the gun a little bit with some weather coming in to the Midwest and trying to get that newsletter out a bit early. No, let's be honest, a lot earlier earlier, than what maybe they anticipated. And uh, uh, But he's still going to make time to get on here with us and have a conversation about what is going on in the market. So we really appreciate that. You know what? I'm going to put the call out right now. If you would like to be part of the conversation today, a mm-hmm. couple mm-hmm. of ways to do it. Go ahead and send us a tweet. Just include hashtag AgriTalk in the message. You can give us a call. It's 855-482-5524. Or send me an email, host at agritalk.com. All three, all three will mm-hmm. allow you to be part of the show today. I'd that love number again, 855-482-5524, 855-482-5524. How do you like them apples? That was that was really, really good, Davis. Thank you. Thank you. Even with a little bit of a stumble there, I still got it. Yeah. I mean, my tooth is loose. It wiggled on me a yeah. little bit. <laughs> wiggled on you a bit. Well, let's get, let's get that taken care of, okay? Well, okay. <laughs> We'll We're do. working on it. We'll do. <laughs> Let's get to the news. Chip, wheat futures clung to unchanged price levels, even with the soy complex trading solidly higher. Selling interest in wheat futures was low, with frigid temperatures headed for a very low-quality hard red winter wheat crop in the Central Plains. March SRW wheat futures are tethered to 750. March hard red wheat futures are pivoting on both sides of 850. And spring wheat futures are stuck in a sideways trading range heading into the end of the year. March HRW wheat futures today, three and one half cents higher, 847. March soft red wheat up two cents, 750 and one half. March spring wheat closed at 916. That's up seven and three quarters today, Chip. You know, there's a little bit of demand starting to circulate out there, too, for some U.S. milling quality wheat. I think we need to pay attention to that as we go forward. When we get the HRW market into this 850 level, I'm not saying that it's completely 100% com- competitive 
in in all markets around the world. But you throw in the decline in the U.S. dollar that we saw today, along with what has been some some sideways to lower uh, price action in wheat. We might we might actually start to find some decent demand in here for wheat. Well, Chip, a sharp drop in the U.S. dollar index helped corn futures push to the upside today, but prices remain well within the boundaries of the sideways trading range. March futures are tied to the 650 level, and that is expected to continue into the end of the year. Pro-farmer crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier left his Argentine corn crop estimate at 47 million metric tons, reflecting some relief from last weekend's rains in the northern production areas march corn futures four and three quarter cents higher at 652 may corn up four cents 652 july corn futures closed at 646 and one quarter up three and one quarter cents chip yeah flattening out that march may uh, spread no doubt about that and then losing a little bit of the carry into the july so i think that that market is still trying to figure out exactly how to get some corn to move in and we probably just need to get the calendar flipped to make that happen. Dr. Cordonier cut his Argentine bean crop estimate for a fourth consecutive week. This week, Dr. C cut 2 million metric tons from the crop, dropping the peg to 45 million metric tons. The tough growing conditions in Argentina helped bean prices recover all of yesterday's price declines. But March beans failed to push up to resistance at Friday's high of 14.89 and one quarter. Gains in the crude oil market also helped soybean oil futures post triple-digit gains to provide spillover support to bean prices. March beans 16 and one quarter cents higher, 14.79 and three quarters. May beans up 15 and three quarters cents, 14.83. July soybeans closed at 14.85 and one half. That's up 15 today, Chip. Yeah, soybean meal helped with the lift in bean prices today too. Meal prices up two and a half to three and a half bucks. Well, cotton traders are growing more concerned about potential lost production in 2023 and are pushing higher in an attempt to hold on to acres. March cotton was 376 points higher, 87.84. On the livestock side, expectations of a steady cash cattle market provided no support for live cattle futures. February fats 47 and one half lower, 155, 57 and one half. April live cattle down 27 and one half cents to 159.65. January feeders up 152 and one half to 183.62 and a half. And on the snout side, front month lean hog futures are consolidating around the $85 <laughs> level. February hogs a buck 45 lower, 84.25. April 82 and a half lower, 92.17 and one half. Chip Lorry. All right. Thank you very much, Davis Michelson. Let's bring in Joe Vaklovic, Standard Green. Hey, Joe, how you doing, buddy? What's up, Chip? No, not much. I mean, well, the grains were up today, but this, uh, I I don't know, man. Are you paying attention this week, or is it time to basically turn the price screen off for a while? I'd love to turn it off. Uh, I was paying attention. I mean, it's kind of the opposite of yesterday. It's a typical yep. turnaround Tuesday type deal. I, still, I mean, we're in a weather market, so you can't rule out a big move one way or the other if there were a, a drastic change to South America um, in, in some way, shape, or form. But, I mean, that being said, you're going to see thinner volumes. And and without some sort of big news one way or the other, we, we could be stuck in a range for another week and a half. Yeah. That that weather market that we're trading with this kind of volume, boy, you, you said it. It could it, it could move the markets big time in a short period of time. 
Yeah, and it it can mess you up too because you know a move that occurs on on light volume can make you nervous for a second, and you might go right back the other way the next day. So you got to be careful and and kind of cautious, I guess. You know, we're really going to get into the um, the South American corn weather market. You know, the next mm-hmm. couple of months, Brazil's going to plant that you know second and larger corn crop after the first of the year, and um, you know we're kind of trading beans in regard to weather more so, I think. Uh, you know, fast forward a month and a half and, and it's going to be a corn weather market or the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything in particular that you are looking forward to as we get to the start of the new year? Uh, I don't know. To see what demand does. We really need some more corn demand on the export front in particular. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I mean, the sales are, are so far behind. I just, I don't know that you ever get exactly where you need to be. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what 2023 brings in regard to this whole crush expansion deal. You know, yep. we should really get going with this the next two years. I think 2023 is going to be kind of a, a turning point type year. Fantastic. Good stuff, man. Hey, Merry Christmas, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, Merry Christmas. See you, Chip. All right. That is Joe Vaklovic, Standard Grain. Brian Grady, editor, pro farmer, up next right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Did you say they could tweet back. us too, Chip? Is there some way to do that on the, on the yeah, Twitter Yeah, if you want to, you can definitely tweet us. Just include hashtag AgriTalk someplace in the tweet, and I should be able to spot it after that. I've got it open here too. Um, yeah? If I were to express what's happening on Twitter right now in song, it would go something like this. Yeah. <laughs> Send us a tweet. Hashtag AgriTalk, everybody. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. You can also give mm-hmm. us a call, 855-4-TALK-AG, 855-482-5524. Email host at agritalk.com. Brian Grady, editor, pro farmer. He's our guest today. Beej, welcome back, man. How are you? <laughs> Good, Chip. Just batting down the hatches here, waiting for uh, Snowmageddon to to hammer us <laughs> yep. i guess another bomb cyclone coming our way is what it sounds like yeah yeah i guess so we'll see yeah. i don't know yep exactly um but yeah i i made mention at the start of the show that that the production schedule for pro farmer newsletter has been adjusted for you not by you but for you this week and uh 
Uh, so we appreciate you still making time for to talk with us today. You know, here you are. You've got to make preps for uh, for for the weather and, and a winter storm. But it doesn't feel like the cattle market's doing much of anything to prep for the winter storm. No, cattle market's kind of just stuck in neutral, to be honest with you. I mean, we keep bumping up into that overhead resistance. We get above 156 bucks or so in the nearby contracts and, and just kind of stalls out. So, you know, the long-term outlook for the cattle market remains supportive. Uh, supplies are going to tighten as we go through 2023, uh, but really uh, pretty pessimistic attitudes right now on the front end of the market. And and so, um, you know, get us through the holiday season, get us through this week, next week, and, and the week after when we're going to have some shortened kill schedules because of the holidays. And, and uh, then the Packers are going to need supplies. And I think uh, things start to pick up then. You know, but that's a ways from a ways from here, it leaves the market kind of vulnerable to sub gyrations that may or may not be based on fundamentals. Right. And, and during the holiday season, that's typically the case anyway, uh, lower volume trade typically. So when you get that thin trade, uh, it doesn't take as much to move the market either to the upside or the downside. So uh, we could see some fireworks to the upside, but we could also see some fireworks to the downside. And that could happen with the cash market doing very little uh, and basically trading yeah. sideways over the next couple of weeks. Does it make you want to get some kind of, you know, catastrophic coverage in place if the thing would just break down on us on, on a give up kind of trade? Oh, you know, I don't think so through the end of the okay. year, probably. Um, you know, I, I guess defensive hedges could work, uh, but uh, I, I don't think I would necessarily recommend those um, because you can get whipsawed out of them uh, really quickly. Yeah. And and uh, so I don't see sustained downside moves, to be honest with you. Um, everything longer term points is higher. Uh, it's just a matter of getting through this kind of the holiday doldrum, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, and when you say everything, you're looking mostly at the supply side of the market, aren't you? Yeah, uh, you know, the demand side, I don't think it it's held up really well. And, yeah, uh, I, you know, the, the exports have been fine. Uh, now they're expected to back off next year. Uh, domestic demand has been fine, and, and we've seen retail prices come down. And, and so I, I think that uh, we're fine from a demand perspective or should be fine from a demand perspective, especially with the uh, supply side of the market tightening. And, and uh, so I, I still have, uh, you know, longer-term bullish hopes for that market. Okay. Um, the headwinds on the demand side of the market we thought we knew what it was going to be on the exports with the rising dollar dollars back way off the highs um is the biggest headwind a potential recession here in the u.s oh i th i think that that may be but uh you know what uh meat demand in general holds up pretty well uh during recessionary mm -hmm. times and and i think that china uh, China's been a big buyer of U.S. beef uh, in 2022. They're probably going to back down some uh, as yeah. we move into the new year. And, and that's basically where USDA's forecast comes from. I think they say Asian countries, but uh, we can kind of read yeah. that as China given the big jump this year. Yeah. Yeah. Almost feels a little bit like they're stockpiling to build up their stocks of beef before any potential ramp up in geopolitical tensions between the U.S. and China. That's what it feels like to me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah there could be some of that. And, and keep in mind, you know, that the pork imports were really down this year. Uh, we anticipate that they'll be up next year. And, and so maybe more pork going into China, less beef. And, and you know, if you add them together, maybe it's a wash uh, on both ends of it. Okay. 
Okay. Big run up to the upside in front month hogs on Friday. Held on to most of the gains yesterday. And then today started to give it up. But anything more than a sideways market or is there some some factors that we need to be aware of? No, still waiting on a seasonal low in the cash index. And, and uh, there's been some hints of that. Uh, it'll be up tomorrow. So that'll be four out of the past six days uh, that it, it's been higher. Uh, the problem is that the gains are really minimal. Uh, when we do see price strength. And so the, the market just isn't convinced yet that uh, the seasonal low is in place. And as a result, we just don't have any sustained buyer interest. Uh, so we see a big move up like we did Friday and it, it just fails to um, generate any follow through. And, and right. I, I think that that's probably going to be the case until the cash market, uh, the cash index gives us some indications that yes, the seasonal low is in place. And yes, we're ready to start our seasonal climb to a mid-year high in 2023. Okay, gotcha. What about that hogs and pigs report? Is it going to show us anything market moving? Uh, well, the contraction's expected to be about one and a half percent again. So uh, we just continue to contract that. Uh, I would personally look to the farrowing intentions numbers. Uh, so as we move out through uh, spring and and into uh, you know summer of of uh, or winter and spring of of you know this year or the coming year. Um, you know, I think that that's the thing until the producer gives us some signals uh, and it has to be backed up with the breeding herd, though. We're going to have a smaller breeding herd. Um, yeah. Almost assuredly, we're going to have a smaller market herd and uh, your total hogs and pigs numbers are going to be down. So uh, continue to uh, continued contraction there with no signs of it letting up is, yeah, is probably what we're going to see. I'm not hearing any conversation from the countryside that we are. You know, that there's an, an, another push in building finishing houses or anything like that. Are you? Uh, no, I haven't heard that. And and I think that it, probably what it takes is China coming in and being more aggressive, uh, buying pork and, and give that market some optimism from that side of the demand side. And, and uh, then maybe you, you start to generate a little bit more. Keep in mind uh, feed prices. I mean, you yeah. look at uh, uh, where we're at right now, and, and uh, that's probably just a wet blanket more than anything. I mean, meal price is 450 bucks and, and corn, uh, $6 and 50 cents. And, and, uh, you know, that, that tends to curtail things a little bit there. All right. All right. Just got a message from Northeast Iowa farmer. Thanks buddy. Uh, hashtag agritalk cash cattle, Northeast Iowa, 164 on Monday. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the Iowa market's been out in front, both in yep. price and, and in the trade. Uh, so probably not too much of a surprise there. Uh, we'll see where everything shakes out. Uh, we were just under 156 for a, a national average last week, the five state area. And and uh, I would anticipate it's going to be about steady when all said and done. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. Uh, same kind of question on the hogs. Do you feel an urgency and need to get anything done on the risk management side in here? You know, I don't. I, I think that uh, they're just on the pessimistic side. Uh, traders are on the pessimistic side. And, uh, you know, they're, I don't know. I Anything would have to be really short term, I think. And, and uh, so if that cash index just struggles to put in a seasonal low, uh, then maybe there is uh, a potential uh, short term hedging opportunity. Um, but I'll be honest, I, I would rather hedge a big extended move to the upside uh, than try to chase it to the downside at the moment. So head strength and not weakness. Yeah. So if we can get a spike in here and, and uh, 
uh, back up to the recent highs, that might be a good opportunity to step in and do something on uh, on the risk management. Do you do you feel like it's got to be in futures, or have have we drained enough volatility out of the options to 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 make a put option work? Well, I you know I suppose you could dabble in that. I I think that uh, the more likely scenario, or your, probably your yeah. your safer scenario would be uh like you know. If, if if you're doing anything with puts, you you have to buy them. Um, you know, you you can't. I I wouldn't be a seller of of any options in any of the, the ag markets right now, to be honest with you. But uh, um, so uh, yeah. possibility, I guess, if you want to limit your risk up front, uh, that you could use the buy some puts. Okay, I got you, got you. Yeah, um, I'm. We we've got the winter storms coming in. I'm a little surprised that we're not trying to do something in the cash cattle, cash hogs, and reflecting that into the futures. Uh, it's a little disappointing that, that the the markets are a little complacent in front of it. But, boy, I, the timing couldn't be worse for the storms, not only for travelers, but it kind of plays into the Packers' hands a little bit. I, the, Mother Nature is going to be managing their supply in, in a holiday-disrupted uh, processing period. So, yeah, I guess they kind of win again on this one. We're talking to Brian Grady, editor at Pro Farmer. Let's talk the grades when we come back. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier cut his Argentine soybean crop estimate for a fourth consecutive week while leaving his RG corn crop forecast unchanged. Text of the 1.7 trillion omnibus spending package was released early Tuesday morning. The Senate will vote first and intends to pass the measure before Thursday, leaving the House no time to demand changes before the Christmas holiday. China is scrambling to strengthen its healthcare system as COVID-19 spreads through the country. The Bank of Japan shocked markets today with an unexpected adjustment to its bond yield controls by allowing long-term interest rates to rise further. The People's Bank of China kept its benchmark lending rates unchanged for a fourth consecutive month. Payments under the emergency relief program rose to $7.25 billion as of December 18. Get more news at TryProFarmer.com.
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. We're in the middle of a conversation with Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Before we get back to Beej, let's go ahead and recap where the markets close. Davis. Chip, March. Hard red winter wheat futures were three and one half cents higher at 847. March soft red wheat up two cents, 750 and one half. March corn futures four and three quarter cents higher at 652. July corn futures closed at 646 and one quarter. That's up three and one quarter cents. March soybean futures 16 and one quarter cents higher, 14.79 and three quarter. July soybeans closed at 14.85 and one half. That's up 15. March cotton 376 points higher, 87.84. Livestocks February fat cattle 47 and one half lower, 155.57 and one half. January feeders up a buck 52 and a half to 183.62 and a half. In February hogs a buck 45 lower. At 84.25, Chip, now this. Oh, ho, 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 ho. What would you like for Christmas, little fella? I would like for all the children of the world to hold hands together and listen to Agritalk. Oh, ho, ho, Agritalk. That's your quick market recap. Now back to you. Thank you very much, Davis. And, and shout out to all the little children out there listening to Agritalk. Mm-hmm. Glad that you're here. I hope Glad holding that hands. you are here. Yes, 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 holding hands. Brian Grady, editor of Pro Farmers, our guest today. B, did you get any perspective for the guys in the cotton trade? Uh, yeah, uh, interesting. You uh, asked that because uh, the cotton market is kind of in a conundrum here, uh, so it can't go any lower. It's going to give up more acres, um, right? You know, it just it's how it's priced relative to the other crops. Uh, it just can't, can't go any lower. Uh, but the struggles moving higher are that, are we going to go into recession? What'll happen to fiber demand and textile demand and, and those types of things that's been holding us back. Now, China's reopening, uh, restrictions, lifting of restrictions mm-hmm. of the COVID zero policies and, and stuff like that have helped out, uh, attitudes a little bit. Um, but, you know, we need uh, days like today where we, we break out technically and stuff like that to show that uh, market has a heartbeat again. Now, yeah. you, if you just look at it from a flat price perspective, uh, we're historically strong, uh, but we're talking about in relation to other markets and, right. and uh, cotton hasn't held up its end of the deal. Right. Yeah, we're historically strong until you start thinking about the fact that November soybeans Oh, of course, my system got a little slow. November soybeans are trading at thirteen eighty nine. So fourteen dollars soybeans versus, uh, you know, on the on the new crop versus well, and new corn, crop cotton prices. Yeah, new new crop corn almost six dollars in the futures, yeah. and and uh, I mean, so you, you uh, you're you're looking at a situation where cotton has to do something. Uh, the current uh, corn cotton um, ratios for new crop. Uh, would strongly favor corn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So at the start of the show, Joe Vaklovic said that we're in a weather market. Can a steady to sideways market be a weather market? Oh, I suppose it can. I'm assuming he's talking about South America uh, yep. in that realm. But, uh, um, 
you know, we're kind of in a weather market. I think Argentina is a weather market. That's what uh, fueled the big run up in, in soy meal. Uh, keep in mind that Argentina accounts for about 40% of soy meal trade globally. So uh, that's the market there. Um, Brazil, um, they'd grow three times as many soybeans as what Argentina does. Uh, and, and they're generally fine. Um, you know, I, I guess their, their crop conditions are, are aside from that South central area. Um, you know, they're relatively good. And, and so, uh, and they're, they're projected to grow a record crop in, in Brazil. So yeah. we kind of got two different markets going on there. Uh, and if you take Rio Grande do Sul in, in far Southern Brazil and lump it with Argentina, uh, those crop estimates are on the decline and, and everything else is either steady or, or maybe climbing a little bit. Yeah. Anything short of 150 million ton out of Brazil is going to be a, it's going to be a disappointment to the market, isn't it? Well, the expectations are high. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, they, they increase their acreage. Uh, yields are expected to per, uh, to increase from last year. And, and so the expectations are really high. Um, now, I think everything is going to come down to La Nina and, and um, you know, it's probably peaked already and, and how fast it declines and how quickly the, the weather patterns change after La Nina uh, starts to decline and, and those types of things. But, uh, um, you know, the, the areas of, of stress in, in uh, Brazil and Argentina right now are, are classic La Nina areas. Yep. Yep. Now, I know that you've been working on your uh, Ag Person of the Year, Ag Story of the Year, Ag Event of the Year. Um the one that I didn't mention that I, I can't get out of my head is the fact that, that China just decided, listen, we need to get rid of these phytosanitary restrictions on bringing in Brazilian corn, get past that red tape and start to bring in corn from, from Brazil. It, it just feels like longer term beach, that's going to be a game changer. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, uh, China has historically just drug its feet for yeah. long periods of time on the, the phytosanitary stuff. Years. years. Multiple years, plural. Yeah. Um, and it's been slow and slow. And that that was one of the issues between the U.S. and China um, all the way, you know, for years now has been that way. Oh, yeah. Um, back to back it, to the late 90s. Yeah, and it didn't take long to get uh, the Brazilian stuff through. Well, the reason for that was that uh, there weren't supplies flowing out of Ukraine at the time, so Brazil yeah. had to diversify it. it. You know, it can't rely 100% on the United States, basically. Um, so they freed up the the Brazilian stuff. Longer term, we'll see. I mean, it, it could be a game changer because uh, unless China changes their mind on the phytosanitary stuff with Brazil and all that would take is a couple shipments of where they say, ah, it just didn't meet our standard and they shut things off. And, you know, that's kind of how the game is played uh, yeah. with the Chinese. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it will be a start and stop situation on the, on the Brazilian corn, because I mean, you think about the, the beginning of trade between the U S and China on dried distiller grains, the DDGs, mm -hmm. they found ways to, Oh yeah. To put roadblocks up and, and all of it was on some, so, well, there were some anti-dumping issues that they claimed, but there mm -hmm. were some phytosanitary issues in there as well at the beginning. So it's, it's an interesting process with China. No question about it. Yeah. So, um, another comment from Joe that, that, uh, I think is, is probably right. He said, 
that crush expansion here in the states should be should start to be felt in 2023. Another big game changer. Yeah. So uh, record crush projected for 2022-23, and then uh, yeah, as we look out uh, and projections for 23-24, another record. And as you look out, 24-25 and 25-26, so on and so forth. Uh, yep. So s- these plants that are either expanding or new plants that are coming on board, uh, you're going to add uh, quite a bit of crush capacity uh, over the next three four years. Uh, you know, the question is, so some of these plants are planned. Will they all come online? Uh, You know, when will they be fully operational? Uh, Will they be able to source enough soybeans uh, to fully utilize their capacity and those types of things? I mean, there's a lot of questions. Uh, If you look back at the ethanol industry, it's probably Mm going to follow a very similar uh, blueprint Mm -hmm. to to what happened there. And, you know, so you talk about uh, 2005 and everything sure. exploded. And then we had multiple years of, of just rapid expansion. And, you know, we didn't know what the number was, but it was an upward number every year. It was an upward moving Chasing. target. And yeah. Yep. And uh, I, I think that you're going to say, see the same type of thing in the soy crush. Um, and then you'll get to a point where it, it slows down and then you'll get to the point where uh, some plants can't source enough supplies and, and uh, they can't do it uh, from an economic standpoint. And they, you know, either slow down or close sold yep. for pennies on the dollar. I mean, it, I, you know, it's, it's you pretty know, easy to write the script and it's, it's not just ethanol. I'm just using that as an example because right, that's one right. that agriculture can, can relate to. Uh, this happens across basically every uh, spectrum of, of the business world. Right. Right. And you know, I'm not wishing any ill will on any Argentine producers, but at the same time, the U.S. market is going to have to figure out a way to get some of that meal export market share, or we're just going to get buried in the stuff. Absolutely. And I said already that Argentina accounts for about 40% of yep. global soy meal trade. And and so there is a there is some market share there to be gained, I think, if, if we can compete on a price perspective. But that's ultimately what it's going to come down to is, is whose price is cheaper. And, uh, yep. you know, the, the low man wins, so to speak. Yep. 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 No doubt. No doubt. Um, okay. So let's wrap up the grain conversation and our conversation with the same way that we wrapped up cattle and hogs. Do you feel any urgency to get some protection on here in the short term? Uh, you know, at the moment, no, uh, because I, South American crops, I, Brazil, I, I think is stable. Uh, Argentina, they continue to decline both on corn and soybeans. So I, I think that that's enough to support us for now. Uh, if we start to see the Brazilian crop go backwards or we get that Argentine soybean crop uh, under 40 million tons, let's say, uh, it's about mid-40s right now in most of the estimates, mm-hmm. uh, then the, then you grab more of the market's attention, then you push it above $15, but it's probably going to take something like that to, to drive new crop, or, uh, nearby futures above that $15 mark. Uh, I, I still think that, uh, you know, extended price rallies in the soybean market or the corn market for that matter are selling opportunities. Uh, I wouldn't panic too much if, if the uh, market pulls back because you're going to have some pretty solid support on, on price pullbacks, I think. Very good. Very good. Man, I love it when you're on in the afternoon. I love our Markets Now conversations in the morning show, but I love it when you're on the show in the afternoon, man. Thank you so much. You betcha, Chip. All right. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Davis and I will be back to wrap up today's AgriTalk in a moment. 
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins. Great conversation with the captain of cognition himself, <laughs> the Brian Stein Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady. Um, a number of things. Dude, do you remember um, when I was working the fertilizer side over at Pro Farmer for uh, the inputs monitor? At one point, there was this whole kerfuffle about increasing domestic fertilizer production. Yeah. And there were all kinds. Weaver, Iowa. Yeah. There were all kinds of plants that were going to be built and big plans and people going around you know with little focus groups and i went to so many meetings with with uh farmers groups that were going to get together and and do like sort of a fertilizer co-op and then there were just full-on just we're gonna build a fertilizer factory we're gonna yeah i i can't even remember how many there were it it could have been pushing like seven or eight yeah but not all of them got built no um, for a lot of reasons, regulations, economic factors, yada, 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 who knows, you know, uh, maybe somebody decided, you know what, fertilizer, what am I doing? I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill my dream and raise chickens instead. Just, <laughs> yeah. Enough with the fertilizer. Let's, let's just do that. Um, a lot of talk about crush facilities, uh, with yeah. the soybeans and Brian mentioned his, his talk about the ethanol should I do air quotes? The ethanol boom in the mid two thousands, the production capacity boom made yep. me think of the fertilizer thing. So now here we are, kind of having the same discussion about uh, soybean crush. Right, right. Uh, there's a reason that he brought it up as a comparison. It's because I mean there are some ver- some similarities that really really matter. Uh, there are some differences here. I mean I remember one of the things that. One of the standard answers that I gave to producers that questioned whether or not ethanol was here to stay, uh, mm-hmm. my answer at that time was, well, you know what? As soon as we start to see some investment from big oil into the ethanol industry, then I'll say that it's here to stay because you got to have that partnership. You've got to have that 
cooperation at the very least. Yeah. You've got to have that access to the market provided by the RFS to make it work. Well, then, you know, as every startup industry, there was that we fell on some hard times and here comes, you know, for example, Valero into the Northeast Iowa market and buying up a couple of ethanol plants for what, 20, 25 cents on the dollar, something like that. So that was a big oil investment into ethanol. It was done on the cheap, but it was still done. This is different because the refiners are first investing in the crush facility to guarantee them a supply, quote unquote, guarantee. I mean, you can have a crop shortfall. I get it. Um, you, but to guarantee them a, a feedstock supply from that area that they can then refine into renewable diesel. So it's not just an investment on the, on the uh, uh, refining side. It's an investment on the production of a feedstock. That makes this different, I think, Davis. Mm-hmm. It, it does. You know, it, it's kind of like the, the question that I had the other day. Can we really use what we know about, about economic analysis in the current environment when, come on, it's still a recovery economy from a pandemic shutdown? And, and Rob Fox from CoBank mentioned that this yeah. morning. And yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. Thank you, Rob. Uh, that, that, that helped me to kind of get everything in perspective. And I think the answer is no. I, I, I don't think that you can use our standard economic models in predicting mm-hmm. where we're going from here. You've got to you, – you, you literally kind of have to reinvent the wheel. I think we're going to have to start building new data sets to try to figure out exactly how the market is performing. When and and I, I I've done a couple of other things since this morning show, and one of the comments that one of the descriptions that I heard was a full employment recession. But what? Wow! A full employment recession. That's a new how one. does. You know, you want to talk about the ability to eat your way out of a recession, mm-hmm. let everybody keep their job or more than normal, keep their job through a quote unquote recession, a slowdown in economic activity. And you can eat your way out of a recession pretty easy. So, that, yeah. Getting back to soybean crush. Yeah. If we're talking about we got to we got to rethink the way that we look at all of this stuff. Yeah. Is it, is it not as simple as, you know what, I'm going to build this sucker close to where farmers love to grow soybeans. And when I start to start to run a little short on supplies, I'm going to push basis, sign, seal, delivered. Is it? Well, it, yeah. And that's, you look at the black holes of bean basis and mm-hmm. that's where the crush facilities are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, up in the northwest production area, South, uh, North Dakota in particular, that's that's got the most economic incentive to get it done. 
But boy, is it going to put a lot of pressure on the northwest northwest production areas to to grow a crop each and every year. Yep. Otherwise, yep. the trains are going to be running not to the PNW, but to a crush facility up in North Dakota. And I don't think anybody wants to do that. Yeah. No. Mm. You know, yeah. but this does raise one point. On the annual production, or excuse me, the annual outlook forum at USDA in February, mm-hmm. normally everybody goes to the planted acreage assumptions for the year ahead right. as, as the first thing to look at. I think I'm going to the crush number first for the 23-24 marketing year and the assumptions that they've got built in there. All right. Should be interesting. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening today. Tomorrow morning, Senator Michael Bennett from Colorado and a Farmer Forum. And tomorrow afternoon, Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing, right here on Agritalk.